Welcome to the Inside OU Podcast, brought to you by New Balance of Edmond, featuring Keegan Renault from SoonersWire.com, powered by USA Today, and Brady Trantham. Hello, Brady. Bob Stoops here. Appreciate the great Sooner fan that you are and have been for all these years. Boomer Sooner. I'm a hack. I never know what to talk about when we do these things, but we're going to try. Welcome, everybody, to the Media Corner edition of the Tuesday pod, which is coming out much, much later than it normally does. Um, I put it out on Twitter, but obviously I only have, you know, a measly 5,000 followers. I'm not that important in the world. So if you do listen to this podcast, but just not happen to follow me on Twitter, I basically said thunder stuff happened today. There was a thunder press conference and that took up some of my time. And then Keegan is doing God knows what. I think he's still doing film review because he put out a video of him pointing at the screen uh, with his uh, iPhone. So that should be coming out on the Patreon fairly soon, which you are all subscribed to if you're listening to this version of Media Corner. So without further ado, let's get right into it. But I have not one, but two guests today. And if you are no you fan who listens to podcasts, you probably also listen to the Crimson Cream Machine with Kami Armarabian, Stephen Brown. Guys, what is up? Let's start with Stephen. Uh, well, I just ordered Chipotle, so it's downstairs, and then you called me and said, hey, you should probably get on this podcast, so. So your uh, food is downstairs, and you are. It's down, yeah, it's it's pretty depressing, honestly. All right, well, we're going to podcast for three hours straight. This is a uh, yeah, Joe Rogan good. pod. What did you get? What did you get? I listened to my first, oh, I did a bowl. Uh, we did chicken, white rice, veggies, uh, mild and hot salsa. And black beans. Oh, of course. Black, black beans are important. Got to help. Got to get that protein. I didn't do guac, there. though, because I just didn't want to pay the extra $16. Well, this is a God-fearing podcast, so I mean, thank, thank goodness <laughs> you didn't get the guac. Uh, Kamiar, same question, but I hope you've either had your food or your food's in front of you while you're, eat, while you're podcasting. Because if anything that, anything that I know about broadcasting on the radio or podcasting, it's almost essential that you eat while talking into a microphone. People love that. That's wonderful. Isn't that, doesn't that have its own thing? ASMR. Isn't that what that entire thing is about? Oh, ooh. right. There is one. I went through yeah. a YouTube hole one time and found some, some pretty weird stuff. People is like that, eating linguine or some stuff. Is that a sexual uh, thing? I think some people be. do use it like that. I watched it cause I was like, what is this? I need to know. <laughs> and uh, I yeah. found this lady that was eating a, like a, just a whole head of lettuce. <laughs> Just like right into this mic. And then I think she did like a pickle and a few other vegetables. And um, was she one handing the lettuce like a football? I think she was, honestly. <laughs> I, I can go find <laughs> And uh, we'll probably share it on Twitter. She like scrunched over like she's about to do a preacher curl. Isolate with dumbbell. <laughs> this, is how, this is how you eat it. Getting this fiber. <laughs> that was my experience with ASMR. That's I've really gone back to it, but that is wonderful. Just like um, it is right now. Um, right now, the Cowboys and the Ravens are playing a football game in which they Des are. Bryant was ushered away to go take another COVID test just minutes before kickoff. And then they realized that he was positive. And then the NFL basically said, oh, yeah, um, there, there's no concern about this game being played. So. <laughs> I'm fairly certain that we're going to be yelling once again at the NFL in the next 10 to 14 days, but that's not what we're here for. Gentlemen, as we 
turn the page to, let's see, we can talk recruiting. We can talk playoff rankings, which just came out about an hour ago. And let, let's, let's go playoff rankings because usually we do a media corner on Mondays. The Tuesday pod is in the afternoon. So we've never really been able to react to playoff rankings, but Oklahoma stays at 11. Iowa State jumps up two spots to seven. So I guess you can kind of talk yourself into a way where the Big 12 has a path to the uh, college football playoff. I would probably say that that's all to do with Iowa State. They would have to basically beat Oklahoma handily in order to maybe get into that top four spot to play in the playoff. Uh, I think at this point, OU's kind of, they're just going to be on the outside looking in and that's fine. I, I think two losses, you kind of deserve it at that point. But um, here's my main question and we'll get off the Oklahoma thing. I asked it in our group chat about a few hours ago. So if you guys already saw it, then you'll have a take prepared. How the hell is Iowa ranked? <laughs> how the hell is, how the hell is Miami ranked ahead of OU when they've done nothing except to get their ass kicked by Clemson. Dude, I don't, I don't even know. Uh, Ohio State's not even eligible for their Big Ten t- championship game now, are they? Th- this is so stupid. They're, <laughs> They're working out a way to get eligible. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, okay, like, I don't, I don't want to be the one talking here. I promise, guys, like, th- this is your part. This is your, <laughs> this is your show. I'm only hosting it, but I just need to get this out there. I already said it on Twitter, so let me say it out loud. We all laughed. We all laughed at the Big Ten a few months ago when they announced that they were going to a- actually play in the fall because they didn't want to be left out. And we all laughed at it because we look at their schedule and realize you're going to ask 18 to 22-year-olds playing a blood sport to not have a week off. I mean, that even without a pandemic, that's stupid. That mm-hmm. is just stupid. And then even if Ohio State were to navigate and be able to play their entire schedule, come, come through undefeated, win their conference, well, then you're asking – Clemson, Notre Dame, Alabama, Florida, Oklahoma, Iowa State, whoever, to basically play. No, you guys are going to play 10, 11, 12 games, have more, you know, attrition kind of affect you. And then Ohio State gets to bounce in here playing six, seven games. That's not fair. Now, what's actually going to occur, Ohio State's playing five or six games. They're going to manipulate the rules so that they can get in. That, to me, guys, is exactly my problem with the committee where – they manipulate rankings with no criteria beforehand, and they base everything simply off of the fact that, well, that team has more NFL draft picks on their roster. That team has more as a higher recruiting ranking the last four or five years. So we're just going to assume that they're better. And they're more than more than you know, more times than not right. They're more times than not right. It is such a drop-off from the top three, top four teams to yep. number five, six, seven in any given year. But that's the beauty of sports is we get a chance to watch it happen and watch it unfold right before our eyes. And this whole manipulation of the rules by the Big Ten, the College Football Committee with their stupid ass rankings. To me, we're getting closer and closer to the simple, simple statement of why? Why are we playing these games? Why are we asking these kids to play a blood sport when it ultimately doesn't matter what happens on Saturdays because because of the opinions of some old people? Yeah. And I mean it makes me want to think we should go back to using the BCS numbers from like those four different groups of numbers and just picking a top eight or, you know, like a playoff system, like literally every other division in football. I mean, if I'm Notre Dame, I'm livid right now. I played 10 games. Ohio state has literally played half as many games as I do. And they still get the same amount of merit that I'm going to go play in the, in, in the championship game, possibly. That's that's so that's so terrible. To, that's a that's an awful message to send to student athletes, and 
even when the Big Ten decided to reverse their decision and come back, yeah, we all laughed. We were like, oh, idiots. Like, it's not going to work. And when, if it does work, how are they going to get into the college football playoff? We're going to be waiting for another month on them. Oh, they're just going to go eight straight weeks, a Tom Herman death camp, if you will, just to, just beating the hell out of your players. Expect that these, these players are actually winning. So that's a little bit different. But then you look at other teams. Like you said, Oklahoma would beat the brakes off of or definitely make it a really good game for teams like A&M, who was seven and one, Iowa State, they should win this time around. Cincinnati, eight and no. Georgia is six and two, and they're nine. And then Miami, Florida, who has the last actual good quarterback Oklahoma has faced, and De'Ara King on their roster instead. Tathan's the number two again. And then I just wanted to get that shot in, by the way. <laughs> and uh, Tathan just like punched his. Yeah, he did. I he think punched, no. he, he punched a stuffed animal dog. He did. I'm just receiving word <laughs> that Tathan is in the transfer portal once again. <laughs> it's just incredible to me. Even Coastal Carolina, 10 and 0, they have more claim to me because they're the ones that won all. I don't care about what's on your helmet right now. You're 10 and 0. You're going to go undefeated. You're going to beat everybody. You deserve more of a playoff shot than a team that's going to play six games or maybe just five, considering you're not even eligible. Or your conference championship game to me it's unfair i mean steven like am i wrong it's steven what do you think well you brought up a good point it's, it's all about what's on the helmet right now um that's why ohio state's there um it's not I mean, their record it's not what they've proved on the field that's why oklahoma's that nice, been there for a couple of years right yeah i mean oklahoma gets away the two we've, we've noticed that oklahoma you know they're not they're not a top five team and yet sometimes they just get placed there and everyone's like well okay well maybe they are and, uh, you know, the numbers don't lie. They'll, they'll go ahead and fail that season and, and go to, like, the Sugar Bowl or something. Um, but, the, I mean, the committee wants their money. They know the games generate money, and they know the teams that generate the most money. Ohio State's one of them. It, it's a team that's had a lot of success, has a large fan base, and that's basically why they're there. Yeah, and going back to my original question that sounded silly, you know, why is Iowa ranked? That's a part have, of that's a part of someone. No, that's a part of my like my huge problem with the committee is they decide, OK, we already think that Ohio State is good. We already think that Florida is good. And if they're able to um, beat Alabama or of, of course they beat Alabama, they would have then earned it. But if Alabama loses, then the whole dilemma is, well, do both teams get in? Well, look, they have this win, this win. And look, they got a win against ranked Missouri like they just they just decide let's rank them because they've already lost to these teams that we think are good. So just in case chaos ensues and we want our teams in the playoff, we can point to this dumb, pointless win on some Saturday in October <laughs> against you know twenty people at Ferret Field in Missouri in Columbia. And like to me, that it, it's silly. It, this is all silly. Um, it, it's a little odd that we haven't really even brought up Oklahoma, but. Uh, I mean, them staying at eleven. Do you have an I, issue with that? At it's 11? tough to find. It's tough to find it now. I mean, like, I think no, but I think all of us, in, like all three of us included, understood when Oklahoma was on the verge of losing three straight against Texas that this there's no a, a Big Twelve title would be the ceiling for this team. And then now, like in typical Lincoln Riley fashion, you're peaking at the very end uh, until you squib kick it. Uh, that oh, that 
I mean, now like, oh, it's a possibility if the numbers work out well, because Oklahoma is a roughly a fringe top 10 team and they're facing off against the number seven team. And you have other guys that still have to fall in line with their conference championships. It's not out of question that Oklahoma could possibly sneak their way in again under Lincoln Riley, but it's just, I think, I think it's too far gone. I, 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 I've dismissed myself from this idea. Oklahoma could make it because of their two early losses. I mean, Oklahoma, right. they're a young team. They were up on Kansas state. People need to remember this. Oklahoma was up on Kansas state by three touchdowns in the second half. And Norman Oklahoma was up on the clones by 11, two scores in the second half in Ames, Iowa. Okay. And, and they, they pissed both opportunities away specifically the kansas state game i think we can understand the iowa state game but the kansas state game is no excuse and so to me oklahoma doesn't deserve a shot at it they shouldn't have been deserved a shot at it since the beginning i'm sure players will feel very different from that i'm sure very very uh, important players will feel very different than that but it's just the the way that i feel i mean like do you guys think oklahoma deserves any sort of shot from this or an outside shot or do you think that oklahoma would be better suited as a top eight team as far as if they were to expand the college football playoff in the year coming? Yeah, I don't think Oklahoma's a playoff team. I don't think they deserve to be there um, with those two early losses. Same here. At the same time, um, you have to look at this as, is Oklahoma a top 10 team? Are they better than Georgia? And I think so. Just because you look at this roster, you are missing two key players that, that made the entire team better. And especially in Ronnie Perkins, they kind of mm-hmm. just transformed that defense from, you know, they're, they're pretty good. They're, they're kind of building something to a, one of the best defenses in recent years. So, um, you know, I don't have a problem with placing Oklahoma above Georgia, but going any higher than that, I don't, I don't think they belong there yet. No, um, I mean, like I said, I don't <clears> really <throat> think OU deserves it just because of two losses. Now, if chaos ensues, sure, I don't know what that scenario is, but mm-hmm. – um, if they destroy West Virginia and they destroy Iowa state um, and some key losses happen in front of them, then sure we can have that conversation. But mainly I just want A&M to somehow backdoor their way so they can just get their ass kicked so they can actually see what big boy football is actually like, because they do a lot of chirping down there in college station of like, what's OU going to do this year? Just <laughs> win that, that crap conference that we left and then just get embarrassed in the playoffs. Like, oh, okay, you want to, you want to talk that? You want to talk that game? That they didn't yeah, win conference championships since yeah. uh, 1998. And, and how quick the narrative would change between that, what you just said, Brady, and, well, at least we made it this year. Look at the oh, Sooners. They can't, they can't even win the Big 12. <laughs> it's like, it's the they're the worst. They're the yeah. worst. They're, they are a, a low, a low, low form of life. I low. like their dog, but that's about it. The dog school, George Bush was pretty cool. Oh, yeah, that's seemed right. Like, seemed like a decent human being. Seemed like a nice guy. Yeah. Something, 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 Hollywood. Da, 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 whatever it's called. Man, we've got we've got to uh, – it's, it's kind of cool that we're doing Zoom is that I can kind of go through some of this, these plays like, and I can kind of show you. Oh, good, we're recording. It's perfect. Mm, show me. I'll show you if you show me. <laughs> That's where we're at. Yeah, thank you, everybody, for listening to the Media Corner section with my good friends Kamyar Moravian and Stephen Brown of the Crimson and Cream Machine podcast. Once again, give them a listen. And for those that are only listening to the free version, just kidding. If you want to listen to the free version only, that's fine as well. I'm not going to force you at gunpoint. 
um, to subscribe to our Patreon. But please understand that through podcast analytics, I know everybody's name that listens to the show. And I know where you all live and sleep. And I know who all your loved ones are. Um, I, I'm, not, I'm just mentioning that. There's no threat involved. But uh, if you would like to listen to the full Media Corner version, it is available on our wonderful Patreon page, www.patreon.com slash inside underscore OU, which you will also be able to find Keegan's film review from the Baylor game in which Drake Stoops was open a lot and Spencer Rattler didn't see him. Keegan, how we doing? I'm good. It's it's a good week. I, I think the just knowing that there's going to be football played on Saturday kind of at this point, I mean, there's no telling what can happen on the Wednesday round of tests. But just knowing the fact that we're playing football this week, um, it, it, I guess, takes kind of the craziness of the week away, which is what it's been the last two weeks. So it's just, it, kind of refreshing, but sounds like you've had a uh, busy last couple of days. Thunder keeping you nice and busy. A little bit. Um, I still don't know exactly who's playing on the team. If they're still in Europe, if they're in Oklahoma city, I, I, I don't know for all that, for all we know, they're lying and they're not actually, there's not actually a basketball team or they've moved and we are just covering them via zoom. Um, I, I wouldn't know, but yeah, NBA preseason thunder basketball is creeping up, uh, next week. And that's going to be fun. Hopefully OU's gaming against West Virginia. And the Big 12 Championship against Iowa State go on as planned, as scheduled, so that that can take care of itself, so then I can focus on basketball, and then, of course, still do this podcast because it's easier to juggle it that way than opposed to when they're all playing at the same time. But no one gives a rat's ass about that stuff. It's it's a part of the gig. It's part of the job. But, uh, Keegan... We are in a much different place uh, this week than we were last week on the post-game show. You prayed for a good week after the uh, two weeks two of, of just other chaos that you had to go through. And at least from the Oklahoma side of things, it seems like everything is all systems go relatively back to normal. I'm sure there are probably still some players that are out that they, that they might be expecting to come back later in the week. Uh, but it seems like we're going to have, I mean, not knowing, of course, at this point, if OU's going to win against West Virginia, but at least we're going to see a little bit more of a team that resembles what we all saw going in or coming out of the Bedlam game, as opposed to what we saw against Baylor, just from the sheer standpoint of having guys back and ha- having consecutive days of practice. It, it will be interesting to see who all comes back, because kind of like we saw Jane Hazelwood, Jane Davis, John Michael Terry was back after missing the Bedlam game. So it'll be interesting to see just who all's back this week. Cause you would think, you know, with the CDC guidelines, you know, some of the contact tracing guys will definitely be back. Maybe some of the guys that tested positive won't be, but it'll be, you know, if Oklahoma gets basically at this point, Brady, I think you and I are under the same, same impression. Like if Nick Benito's back, Oklahoma's okay. Oklahoma will be all right. No, it's cause he's the player of the year for oklahoma is he because isaiah thomas is getting some build up now over the last couple days that's a good question because the thing about nick benito especially at the beginning of the year was he was getting into the backfield like he is getting with sheer regularity um the last month and a half the problem was he just wasn't getting home and 
I mean, we don't know the status of Nick Benito in fall camp. For all for all we know, he was one of the many players who uh, was popped with contact trace and wasn't able to practice as frequently as he would have liked because um, it seemed like from the Texas game on, he was a completely different player. He was already a solid player on this defense that we were all excited about, but he's made th- – th- the improvement he made from Texas on Keegan is the type of stride improvement that you see from a player in an off season. And so it kind of, that to me has always given me the assumption that I, I don't think Nick Benito was able to practice that much. I'm not basing that off of anything other than what I've seen of his play on the field from the first game of the year to what we saw um, the week before Bedlam when he was out or the week before or Bedlam the week before the two weeks before Baylor, I've already screwed this up. Uh, Nick Benito is awesome, but I think Isaiah Thomas is probably a little bit more consistent earlier on. And maybe it balances out that way that he's probably the uh, Sooners most valuable player from start to finish this season. Uh, I mean, clearly it's, it's Ronnie Perkins. Like Ronnie Perkins is the best player on this team. Spencer Rattler is the quarterback. So a lot of the team success hinges on him and his play. But I, I just, I think super highly of Nick Benito. And I think, as great as the defense looked against Baylor, it was missing just a little bit of umph, and that little bit of umph is just all kind of regulated around one guy, as Nick Benito. Yeah, and, and I think whenever you add him just to the equation, like, don't get me wrong, like, John Michael Terry is a, a good player. Like, Oklahoma had to play Joseph Wete last weekend. Did you notice that? I did. I haven't seen Joseph Wete's Not good. name. I haven't seen his name since uh, I did the uh, the penalty deep dive about four or five games into the season uh, because Joseph Wete had a penalty in the second half against Missouri State, and I ended up not counting it against the team overall because I remember thinking, well, Joseph Wete is just not going to play that much. He played in the second half against Missouri State for a reason. Yeah, he wasn't very good. Surprise, surprise. I mean, this is this so. is a hard sport to play, especially at this level, Keegan, so uh, – I mean, let's, let's be nice because, I mean, your DMs we, are open. My DMs are not open, so that is – Why not? But that's I do not, follow Joseph Wete. That's not a very good journalizer of you. You should have open – Yeah, uh, I, I quote tweet replies and then I close my DMs off. That's just the kind of social media person I am, Brady. Why don't you have open DMs? What are you trying to hide? I've, I've had open DMs before. Release the files, Keegan. I try to get, I remember I tried to get Madison to uh, release her DMs. <laughs> oh, Lord. Good, good friend. Not necessarily hey, of the speaking podcast. Speaking of Madison, did you see that she uh, did another commercial or advertisement for the makeup? Oh, she did? Oh, oh, yeah. on her, on her, um, on her not IG model uh, Instagram account. She has an IG model Instagram account? It's just her personal account. God love uh, her. Okay. I thought but you yeah. meant like I thought you meant like a commercial on TV. I was like, "What? She she's on TV?" No, what? No, 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 no. Just on her Instagram. No, I see. Yeah. Uh, but great, uh, so great. here, here you go. Here, here's some, some stats for you. Isaiah Thomas is third in the Big Twelve in sacks with eight. He's a half sack behind the who's tied at the top of the Big Twelve, which is Will McDonald from Iowa State and Wyatt Hubert. Old McDonald, I see. Yeah. And then Nick Benito is sixth in sacks but Benito's pressures man he yeah and it, that's, that's kind of big thing that's that is of course the big thing because even if you don't get like of course your job as a pass rusher 
is to get home, get the sack, get the tackle for loss, whatever you're doing. If you got the guy in front of you, you got to take him down. But it is a team sport. Every little yard counts. You know all those cliches. Um, but there are a handful of times I can remember against Iowa State, even with Nick Benito, where he, because uh, I've mentioned this a handful of times on this podcast, he wasn't able to get home, but he forced uh, Brock Purdy to step up in the pocket and make uh, two quick of throws at times. And I remember one of those plays in particular, Nick Benito didn't get home. Brock Purdy threw it, and he threw it directly to Patrick Fields, who dropped it. So while Nick Benito did not get the sack and did not 100% perform or execute his play, he did influence a negative play by Iowa State that should have been capitalized by Oklahoma. So that that style of play, um, his ability, I think, kind of transcends like what you see in the stat sheet. But of course, Isaiah Thomas does deserve a lot of praise because it's not all about stats, but if you put stats on in, in the box score, you're probably doing something right. Yeah, and it's, you know, and it's the group collectively as well. I think, you know, the biggest thing to take away, Brady, and I, I think this is important, Winfrey's not playing at a level right now. He was there for a second, but right now that he's probably going to go and be a, you know, second round draft pick, like, you know, a high enough pick to go leave. I don't think he's on Winfrey. You said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think he's playing at that high level anymore. So that's a good thing for Oklahoma, but he's, he's close to being elite an elite player. It's like Brian Osamoa, which we saw signs of that Saturday against Baylor. Like, Austin Moe played a really good game. He's going to be re- really highly graded once my grades get out there. Tomorrow. I think Brian Asamoah is probably the most underrated player on this defense because we just never ta- with you. we just never talk about him. And you well, can say you can we, say you like, and I have talked about him. We we've brought up the you know how yeah. often just like he has been so close all year. Like the Iowa State games, like he had a couple tackles for loss opportunities and he just barely missed them. Yeah, no, it, I mean the, it's the, just a matter of him bringing it all together. The thing about whenever anybody talks about Oklahoma's defense, whether it be local folks like us or national people, um, you always hear the praise for the defensive line, and rightfully so. And then you always hear, "Well, if there's a weak link, it's the secondary." It's you know we all we we already know who those players are. I mean, even though the secondary has played very well the last few games and has kind of balanced out to being not that much of a detriment, if not a, a, an advantage at some point with some of these young players making plays in the secondary. Um, you never hear anything about the linebackers, never anything about Deshaun White, never hear anything about Brian Osamoa. And like I said, I think he's probably the most underrated player just because he seems to do his job fairly well. There are times where I get a little annoyed with him, but it's nothing that I probably ever get annoyed that I don't ever get annoyed with, with the other young linebackers over my years watching OU football, where they have trouble getting lost in the sea of bodies, um, not going through the right gap or just reading the play wrong. Kenneth Murray did that all the time. Uh, I remember Ryan Reynolds had problems with that earlier on in his career before he ended up being a walking injury, even though he was still a phenomenal linebacker. Um, It's just, it's a hard position to muster down. And I think Asmo is like it setting a foundation to be you know i think next season i don't think it'd be out of the realm of possibility for him to be an all-conference level linebacker whether he's named it or not that's another question but i think he can be that type of player at the very least if he just has kind of a another year kind of like this but real quick going back to perry on winfrey it's interesting you brought that up because i was thinking about that do, do OU fans really want him to be like all world, like make strides improvements this season? Or do you kind of want him to be where he is now? Or like you said, he's probably not going to get that great of a draft grade just because 
not necessarily because of what he's incapable of doing, but more so we need to see more of this and more of this consistently that equates to playing another year of football. Because in my opinion, Perrion Winfrey is basically, he's great at what OU needs right now. He takes up a lot of space and he takes up two offensive linemen, which makes it easier on Ronnie Perkins, makes it easier on Nick Benito, Isaiah Thomas, and the rest of those guys to go out there and put some numbers down on the stat sheet. Yeah. I mean, pay what Perrion brings to the table isn't necessarily seen on the stat sheet. And then a couple guys I think we need to kind of hit on here. I thought Josh Ellison played another really good game against Baylor. And then I think Corey Roberson's starting to put some things together, man. There's a lot of praise about him early in preseason camp. So I think that whole group's just the depth there. And then you include maybe Jalen Redmond being back in 2021. It's kind of a very uh, enticing group. You know, I'm not going to sit here and say that they have a chance to be best defensive line in college football, but the the talent is starting to build at, at that position. And I guess this is me being petty. Um, Calvin Tibbs, the Oklahoma Broyles Award nominee, which is interesting. I'm just saying. I um I was shocked just from the standpoint of award season and the Broyles Award is definitely a part of award season really only goes to players and I guess coaches that receive off-season hype or in-season hype. And OU's defensive line has received a lot of praise, and maybe that's kind of where this is coming from. But Calvin Thibodeau is just a name that you never hear unless you are in Oklahoma and you're plugged into OU football or you're covering it like you do, Keegan. We know how great of an asset Calvin Thibodeau is um, coaching the defensive line. We know how great of an asset he is in terms of recruiting, uh, but it's just not a name that you ever hear tossed around nationally. You never really hear his name mentioned in any OU game broadcast where they talk about Grinch, they talk about Lincoln. They may even talk about Cale Gundy since he's been here for 20 at some odd years. And, and seems like that might be coming to an end fairly soon. We don't know. Um, Talking about Cale Gundy? Yeah. Uh, you just never hear Calvin Thibodeau though. So I, I'm glad that he's receiving some recognition because this is a coach that, you know, some people questioned if he was ready for this level of a job uh, when he was, you know, offered the job to coach at Oklahoma and with his growing responsibilities over the years with some movement on the staff, he has become a coach that I can count on. Like I'm almost hundred percent there with him that no matter who he has on the defensive line, he's going to be able to coach them well enough for OU to not be, I guess, average at that unit. Yeah. And I think, you know, something I was just looking at here, like, Ronnie Perkins, he's not able to qualify, I don't think, for the Big 12, like, stats. So he's not on there. But so th- so far through four games, Brady, Ronnie Perkins has four sacks and eight tackles for loss. Yeah, it was an already halfway to where he was last year in terms of sacks. Yeah, so if he gets a, a, a two more sacks in the next two games, he will be at his sack total from 2019. Yeah, and Ronnie even had kind of like an earlier Nick Benito type game that we were describing against Baylor where he caused a lot of havoc. He caused a lot of pressure that might have screwed up Baylor's ultimate play execution. He just didn't get home, and some of that was just because I think Baylor's offensive strategy was get the ball out of your hand as quickly as possible or take off. It was, and they threw the football a lot. And so it's going to be interesting to see how West Virginia kind of game plans this week against Oklahoma I'm 
You know, I think it's a, a game, Oklahoma. I, I think Lincoln Riley, we hit the nail on the head maybe on this. We talked about this late or early Sunday morning about Oklahoma needing to play this game this week now because they've had a lot of things they needed to fix and correct. Um, it, it, it was It's very evident of that, and I'm so looking forward to getting into that conversation well, see, because there was a lot to find. Yeah, well, it, it's interesting because I brought this up with Kamiar and Steven on Media Corner where – uh, in our opinion, West Virginia is a perfect team to play after what we saw against Baylor and then knowing what we know Iowa State presents a week later in the Big 12 Championship. Um, Baylor has young defensive talent. I would say Iowa State, or West Virginia's front seven is much more consistent, much more capable than what Baylor is trotting out there. And I think that even offensively, while it's you're, we're probably splitting hairs because these are two bad teams, I think obviously Baylor's a little bit worse than West Virginia. Um, I think West Virginia is a tad bit more offensively capable, but as it pertains to the de- the defensive front seven for West Virginia and what we saw from the offensive line against Baylor on Saturday, it's a good test because they're a little bit better than Baylor athletically. But the coaching and the scheming, the strategy is probably going to take a little bit of a dive from Dave Aranda to Neil Brown. So ultimately, with a week to prepare, a week of normal practice, and a week of probably getting some guys back on the defensive side of the football, I think we're ready to see probably a much more well-tuned Oklahoma machine against West Virginia, which ultimately then becomes a good little get your reps in, go take care of business in Morgantown, and then he could fully be prepared to play at the highest level against Iowa State. You would hope, right? I mean, that's they need to do that. Like, if they come out and play sloppy and have a bunch of missed assignments in the running game and passing game in terms of pass blocking against this front from West Virginia, I mean, that could cause some real problems this week against the Stills brothers. And Tony Fields, who leads the Big 12 in tackles, by the way, the transfer from Arizona, that I – father Matthews hyped up for a long time and uh I ended up he popped on tape whenever I was watching uh Chris Murray whenever during his tape at UCLA so they've got a good front and it could cause some problems for Oklahoma and I'm interested to see it's a good it's a really good test for this Oklahoma offensive line like you want to put things together this week you don't want to be heading into that Iowa State game needing to correct a bunch of things because you've got to spend time on that in practice instead yeah. of preparing for Iowa State. So, yeah, it's it's a big week for Oklahoma. Like, this is a very important week for Oklahoma football. Like, Friday, you've got Emeka Buka committing um, to either Oklahoma or Ohio State. And then you have the weekend. And then you have signing day, which has another two to three guys committing between then and the uh, Big 12 championship in a couple weeks. It's a in, it, crazy times. Can I just like, say that I'll be super shocked that Emeka Buka picks Oklahoma over Ohio State because, in my opinion, Ohio State has the best recruiting strategy on the face of the earth because okay. they can t- they can tell recruits, hey, psst, we don't even have to play the games and they're going to put us in a fucking <laughs> conference title game. You don't have to get hurt. We, we can just make you play Illinois and Rutgers – Maryland and we're not Texas Nebraska Nebraska you can get your yards and then we can just call it good and then we just walk into the conference title game so you're going to be ready for the NFL not have a lot of uh, wear and tear on the tires 
and uh, you get to play in big games because we're Ohio State. And uh, our good friend Jason Kersey said it perfectly. The Big Ten is um, the conference where everything's made up and the points don't matter. Is that how we're going to turn into the college football playoff ranking fiasco tonight? Why is Iowa State number seven? Let's let's table that for a second because we were on a good little uh, we were on a good little conversation with OU because um, I just had two questions and on um, offense and defense. So let's try and table the playoff talk for after this. But what would you say based on what you saw against Baylor, and of course taking into account what West Virginia is more than likely going to do according to what we've all seen them do all season, and then what they're able to do offensively, what needs to be cleaned up? from Baylor going into West Virginia on Oklahoma's end? I think the biggest thing is obviously up front. They've got to block better. That That's number one. I mean, they – like Creed Humphrey got pushed around a couple times. This is uh, worst game backs, of the year. Yeah, it was. Uh, I'm trying to think because he – I don't think he played great against Kansas State or Iowa State. Well, again, like the team overall did not play well because they lost those games, but – I'm thinking about it in terms of Creed Humphrey looked really human on a handful of plays where he was getting pushed oh, around sure. and, and, and getting pushed around on the offensive line is going to happen. You're just going to get caught flat footed. That'll happen. But there were a few delayed blitzes where he just looked like a, a freshman. He just, he just looked, he made mistakes that young players make. And I certainly, under, I'm not trying to dog him by any means. I certainly understand why that can happen against a defensive coach that's prepared for you while you didn't have any time to really practice anything on the field probably the week before heading into the game. So I understand the poor performance. I just hope that against West Virginia with a normal week to prepare, we're going to see a much uh, better Oklahoma performance on the offensive line. Yeah, you would expect the offensive line to take a step forward this week. And I think Eric Swenson kind of touched on that today. Is like they That group is thinking from a mindset of we want to get out there and play right now. Like they, they know how bad they played, how bad they performed against Baylor, a group that is aggressive. It's clearly they're well coached and Dave Aranda, like Brady, I don't know if we just didn't, you know, account for his coaching ability enough heading into this game, but he put together a really good game plan against Oklahoma. I mean, he was doing the things that caused Spencer Rattler some disruption in the Oklahoma state game. He brought that into the game game plan for Baylor. He the GT counter stuff that Alan Kinney pointed out um, that they had some success with against LSU, uh, or he had at LSU against Oklahoma. And then he also the leak concept did not work. Did you notice that they, Oklahoma ran it twice and it was unsuccessful both times? Yeah, I mean, I think not to toot my own horn, but I think I probably told you last Tuesday or Thursday. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if OU comes out sloppy and Dave Aranda and Baylor is able to capitalize off of it because what happened the last time Dave Aranda played OU, I mean, albeit it was with one of the greatest college football teams of all time with LSU uh, up against And they Baylor. were okay defensively. I mean, they wasn't a great defensive team. But. No, but they just they had capable athletes that if if he knows what's coming, they're going to be able to rise to the occasion just because of the athletic talent. But yeah, that LSU defense was it was fairly air raidish of them to be awesome offensively, but then of course defensively drop off. So uh, I was about to say something, but it was going to be a good segue back into the playoff. But I have not forgotten that we were going to talk about that next. So let's wrap up the offense, we'll get to the defense, 
uh, for what they need to clean up. And then we'll get to the playoff. And this is just subject number one, right, from the last two games, Brady. The the guy that's been the kind of the most polarizing player for Oklahoma, and it's Spencer. It's Spencer. And, like, his numbers and his, you know, efficiency and accuracy and all those things have have looked really good. But there's just some things to his game, and this is what I was going to show you is – this is the stuff that Oklahoma State was doing right. They're getting, a, you know, first and 10, getting a bunch of guys on the line of scrimmage, and then they're going to actually blitz here. So uh, they've been dropping a bunch of guys, Brady, but they're going to yep. blitz. So this guy's going to be the guy that almost gets home. Um, so the thing is, and we see this with quarterbacks at the NFL level, right, to where they know, like, if they're going to get heat, they know who they're going to go to. And Lincoln Riley also, in this case, provided him an outlet, which is going to be Charleston Rambo. So you'll see kind of – I can get why he might have been frustrated this game. He dropped a pass, but I have a couple of clips where, like, Spencer missed him for a touchdown, missed him for a first down, and missed him here. Um, but in this specific play, just you can tell that Spencer's made his mind up what he's trying to do before the snap, and he doesn't adjust at all. See how Rambo yeah. comes open? Yeah. I mean, he, so, hates, he hates those shallow, shallow crossing routes, man. Like we, we So – He's looking left. He makes no adjustment. You know, Baylor's showing blitz. This guy's supposed to is get probably going to be coming off if he doesn't adjust to that. Um, but they've been dropping this whole time. So he probably, if I was in his shoes, I think Spencer assumed that they were going to be dropping back into coverage and he had a chance to make a throw over in here somewhere. Um, but they blitzed and he didn't pick it up. And this is just a mental thing. And you, you've been, you've heard me harp on this the last two weeks is that this is a guy that, you know, I've made the phrase Jalen brained a little bit to where, you know, we saw how crisp and clean Kyler and Baker were. Um, And then, you know, just some of the mistakes that we saw a year ago in terms of the reads and coverages and decisions. And congratulations, by the way, this is the great point to say this, to Jalen Hurts, the new starting quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles. We we did it. We did it. Good job, Jalen Congrats to him. Congrats great, to him. Great we can maybe center. get into him a little bit later. But at the end of the day, this is this the kind of stuff right here. I mean, this is an easy pitch and catch. You get five to ten yards. It's first and ten. He even throws it right here. Like, the guy that's guarding Charleston Rambo, Brady, is, is lost in the traffic here. So, if he gets rid of it, Charleston Rambo's open. I mean, he's open, open, open. He could probably get five, six, seven yards. But this is the big thing, is that a reason why a lot of these mistakes aren't being talked about is because, like, the throw to Drake Stoops, right, where Drake's screenshot I sent you earlier where Drake Stoops is just sitting there with his with his arms up um like that is you know something that is gonna be a problem like um that's not that play oh it's not this one this is the one where they missed the league um but it's just you know he Spencer's got to be cleaner man like he just has to be yeah here it is so on this play Spencer bails out over here to the left Brady and then he finds Theo Weiss for a first down and while he's scrambling, like that's just not going to work against better teams. So that's, there's my Spencer Rattler soapbox for this week. I think he just has to be better. And this is going to be a good week for him. I mean, it's going to be a good test. So his his pocket presence has to be better. He's got to, you know, take what's given to him. That's a first down. That's just an easy first down. There's no need to make it this difficult. So there you go. Yeah. um, I mean, you're right. Just because this is a recurring theme with Spencer Rattler that he just, does not like the uh, the uh, the shallow crossing routes and just underneath routes in general for whatever reason. I, I will say, like in Spencer Rattler's defense, 
when the pocket breaks down, I mean, you, you clearly like you're not seeing one side of the field. At least you're, you're basically like running for your life, trying not to get hit, trying to take off while still simultaneously keeping your eyes downfield. So um, I can kind of understand maybe in that instance with Drake Stoops where he's literally standing there and defensive backs are flat footed going backwards away from Drake Stoops. I can kind of see in that instance why he doesn't see him, but you could have seen him a lot earlier when the pocket was still relatively clean and just picked up an easy first down. But Spencer Rattler uh, wants to go for the deep ball. He wants to go for the throat all the time. And I would prefer my young quarterbacks be taught to, you know what, it's it's okay to take the easy route every once in a while to check down. I'd rather the young play quarterback do that than him be captain check down and we have to hope that he wants to shoot downfield every once in a while. So um, it's a good problem to have, I guess, overall. So uh, defensively, what in your mind does Oklahoma need to clean up, if anything, from what we saw against Baylor, against what West Virginia has, uh, what will, what they present uh, cha- as a challenge offensively? Yeah, and and just uh, I was pulling this up for just just in a second, but yeah, I, I think defensively the biggest things. I, I think Trey Brown had a pretty good game. I think the corners overall had a really really good game, and I think Delaren Turnell had a really good game. So. Those guys are taking strides. I think the one area, and you and I would both agree on this, I think Deshaun White, you can get a little more out of him. Like, the thing with Deshaun is he's in position a lot. Like, but he has that issue to where, like, guys are kind of dragging him, like, when he's at the point of attack to where he is not just sticking a guy or driving him into the ground. Like, he is kind of getting drugged a little bit at the point of attack, and I think that's hurting him. So, you know, I think, you know, he's got to play a little bit better. Um, but yeah, it's just, it, it's one of those things where, you know, this defense, like we won't know how good they are until they have a team that can stop them up front. Like that's the God honest truth. And a lot of defense are the defenses are that way. I mean, a, a lot of the elite defenses have a really good defensive line and maybe average to, you know, above average secondary play, but it kind of gets covered up by the fact that you can get pressure on the quarterback and, as long as Oklahoma's doing that, Brady, I mean, like, what can what can you complain about? Like, they – one of the top pressure-rated defensive lines in the country. I mean, they're, they're playing really, really good ball right now. So, yeah, it's, it, 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 it's kind of crazy to talk about. It really is. Like, think about where this defense is at just two years ago. And I know Imani Bledsoe was wrecking havoc on Texans in 2018, but for the most part, that group didn't get any pressure. And now two years later, they're just getting after it. So yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty wild to see. And I'm just pulling this up so you can see this too. Um, this is that play that Austin Stogner laid in the game where he has this guy open. He just kind of forces it. So yeah, went back to Rattler for just a second, but it every I think that's the area. I think if if he can clean up his game, and I truly feel this way, if he can clean up his game, Brady. Oklahoma is going to be really, really tough to beat. Whether how bad the offensive line is playing, whether there's this, whether there's that, there were opportunities for when the offensive line was struggling that Spencer could have bailed them out, and and he didn't. And it just it it is what it is. And you know they've got to get better, they got to improve. But it is you you know have to throw in there that they had five days where the facility was shut down, they didn't practice um, Thanksgiving. People were eating a bunch of food, probably not watching the diets that they're supposed to be on. 
Um, hopefully this week for Oklahoma, they can get kind of get their feet back underneath them, that their conditioning is back to where it needs to be. And they can go play a clean, crisp game in Morgantown because they need to. This, this, yeah. this team's going to need to go on the road and put a good, a, good, a good game on tape for them to feel good about heading in the Iowa State game. Yeah, and thankfully, I mean, I don't know how much this really matters, but it, at least from my standpoint, thankfully the game's on in the morning. Just get it over with. Get the team there. Play the game. Take care of business if you're Oklahoma and get the hell back to Oklahoma and start preparing for Iowa State. So, um, fortunately, it kind of worked out that way. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's easy to say that because Spencer Rattler, I mean, this is this is Oklahoma. This is an offense under Lincoln Riley. And if your quarterback – does his job and can make plays as well at a high level, which Spencer Rattler is definitely capable of doing both. Um, A lot of times that just counterbalances mistakes made by the defense, by the offensive line, by the running backs, you know, like if if Spencer Rattler's back there playing prime QB one under Lincoln Riley, it, I mean, you shut it down at that point if you're anybody else in this conference. So, uh, but again, Spencer Rattler, this is going to be his uh, 10th game as the starter for Oklahoma. So, we're talking about these little minute things and they're not minute in terms of like the difference between winning and losing, but they're minute in terms of when you're talking about a red shirt freshman or a, a, a sophomore quarterback making his first start, these are problems that uh, they have in addition to a lot of other bigger things for a young starting quarterback. So it's definitely a good problem to have for OU fans and OU as a team, but Let's get to the juicy topic, Keegan, that we teased a little bit earlier. The college football playoff rankings were released a few hours ago, or right now it's 9.45 in the evening. We usually, usually, we always record Tuesday afternoon, so we never get a chance to really have like some live reactions or some early quick reactions to the college football playoff since that show comes on around 7 or so. Uh, But Oklahoma stays at 11. Iowa State jumps up two spots to number nine or to number seven. Uh, so I guess you can kind of talk yourself into a scenario where the Big 12 has a path to the college football playoff. And that would basically only really apply to Iowa State if they destroy Oklahoma and some team loses in front of them, which is going to happen. Maybe they can get their way back into the college football playoff. And especially the thing that would help them, other than just clearly beating OU, is if Louisiana. Uh, beats who is at Coastal Carolina in the uh, in their conference championship game coming up. So that would actually make that loss look even better and more understandable, I guess, from that standpoint. But um, really, any thought reaction to the college football rankings, Keegan? Because I, I think OU at eleven is fine. I think them not really having a clear path to a playoff spot is is fair because they have two losses. My only really peeve with the uh, rankings is just small stuff. Like, why is Iowa ranked? Why is Missouri ranked? I know why. I have an opinion why they are. Um, but why? Why is Miami ahead of Oklahoma when all Miami has done is just get their ass handed to them by Clemson and then barely eke by uh, basketball schools? Um, you could say maybe the same thing about A&M, uh, but they've got that nice little conference patch on their jersey to help them out. They beat uh, Florida. I, I don't care. I, I know you're a big Florida fan, man, but they're going to get beat by Alabama. <laughs> they're they're going to get beat by no, Alabama. Uh, that's going to be a good game. That's going to be a good game. Good game does not mean win. You don't get – But, you don't, but you, like, the people people think that Alabama is just, like, head and shoulders better than everybody they've played this year, and maybe they have, but I don't think they've played, like, 
like Alabama, like beating A&M was impressive the way they did. But, I mean, for the most part, though, like Georgia is not any good. LSU is not any good. That's what I was going to say was Georgia. Like, why is Georgia ranked? Like, that? that's probably the the one team that OU fans could actually have a bone to pick with. Like, why are the hell are they ranked ahead of us? The last time I was on the college football playoff website, I had the 2017 rankings up, the final ones. I don't know why. That's weird. But Because you want to see me hurt. That's why. <laughs> speaking of speaking of which, if we're kind of along these off-topic conversations – Mr. Baker Reagan Mayfield had himself a Sunday, huh? Good. He, did. he, he looked he looked incredible. Um, Stefanski definitely and Baker definitely have the play action game down because they ran it to perfection. Where, I mean that 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 uh that seventy yard touchdown pass he had to uh, what what's his name? He's got a hyphen last. It wasn't Rashard oh, Higgins. It was the uh, no Peoples, uh, Donovan Peoples Jones, the guy from jo- Michigan. Yeah, Peoples Jones. That was a that was a pretty play action fake, and it worked. And they were finally able to blow the brakes off of a uh, a good team in the Tennessee Titans, who were also eight and three. So, but I will say, the AFC South is, uh, I think, fairly fraudulent in the NFL, uh, especially in the AFC. I mean, the AFC South is. I mean, the Colts have a good record. I don't think they're good. Um, the Jaguars are what they are. They're they're awful. Who else is in besides them? The Titans. Houston's. I saw that Houston's played like the toughest schedule in the NFL. Yeah. Uh, they. I think they have seven or eight losses, and like five of them are to playoff teams. Yeah. Which is brutal. But. But, uh, but having said all that, Cleveland finally did what we've been waiting for them to do. Because even I kind of thought, man, is this like one of the worst eight and three teams of all time? Because. <laughs> I, I, they played. Even, see, that's the the thing though is that they played in those bad weather games. So yeah, you well, just, go look at you go, don't go look at Baker's stats. It's so funny. There are three games in a row where he doesn't have a touchdown or an interception. I, I, I'm really curious if that's ever happened in NFL history with a consistent starter. <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he only threw one of the games. He only threw like twelve or thirteen passes. Yeah, I mean, if you watch those games, like I'm not here to make excuses for Baker Mayfield. I have an opinion of what he is as an NFL quarterback. I think he's clearly a good one. I think he's good enough to get you into the playoffs and then all bets are off after that. Um, he's, I think, a winner. His teammates play well around him and they enjoy him. I think he's playing a little bit better now that OBJ's gone. That's a different conversation. But um, those three games in a row with that bad weather – yeah, if I'm a play caller, I'm not trying to throw the ball that much anyway because it was, it was, it would have been foolish with the wind swirling and the rain and all that. Like it was just, it was, it was a weird little situation Cleveland found themselves in. So back to the college football playoff rankings, I will say this: I like Florida against Alabama. You can call me crazy for that. I know I've been on the Florida train for a while, so. I'm not working under the assumption that Florida beats Alabama and Clemson beats Notre Dame. That's I'm down for those matchups, by the way. Florida Clemson and Notre Dame Alabama. I think those would be two really good games. Maybe I'm crazy. Um, I think Ohio State's good. Don't get me wrong, but like that would that would be a scenario where they're left out, like automatically. Oh goodness, I. I, I I don't know, Keegan. Like, it's weird. 
clearly Alabama is one of the best teams, if not the best team in the country. I I just have I just have such a problem, such a problem with two teams from the same conference going into the playoff, especially if one of those teams is coming off of a loss in a conference title game. I just, it makes more sense to me if a team doesn't even play in their conference title game by getting into the, and then gets into the playoff, even though, sure, even though I don't like that anyway, but comparing those two scenarios, I just, I don't like that one bit. Um, I think this year you can kind of move some, I think you can interpret some criteria, even though there's no criteria. I think you can interpret some things a little bit differently. I think the perfect example is Clemson, Notre Dame. Even though we all think Uagalele is a great quarterback or is going to be a really good quarterback. Uagalele. Uagalele, excuse an, me. There's an, in, there's an N in there, yeah. Excuse me, I'm not a Clemson inside Clemson podcaster. Um, even though we all think he's going to be a great quarterback, um, in a pandemic year where everything's a little weird, if you play a big game without your star quarterback and you lose a close game, I think you're afforded a little bit of, of the benefit of the doubt. So if, you know, Notre Dame loses to Clemson in the ACC title game, I can see a scenario where Notre Dame can still get in because, well, they already beat Clemson, but Clemson got their revenge back in a normal year. I don't see how that would work out according to my stupid logic, but really I I don't care. I just, I don't want two teams from the same conference. I don't want teams that don't even qualify for their damn conference title game. I think that that's all silly, Uh, but that's what you get when you have a committee of old humans with no written in stone criteria. And it just turns into a bunch of, well, we all think this team is better because of recruiting rankings and draft prospects and the logo. And that's why we want Ohio state in the big 10 championship, even though none of this shit matters actually. Yeah. The Ohio state conversation, because like it is like this playoff is resume based. Like that's the argument for me is like your resume gets you into the playoffs and Ohio state would not have the resume that would suit a college football playoff team. They just wouldn't. And that's on the big 10. That's on their conference. They, they screwed this up from the beginning. If everybody would have worked hand in hand, kind of like the big 12 and sec and ACC did. I do think it's interesting though. Or would, would you take an Ohio state Texas A&M game this weekend? Like why would Texas A&M play that game? No, here's why. Cause um, even though I don't, like I just said, I don't, I don't believe in teams that don't even qualify for their conference to get into the playoff. I do want A&M in the playoff because I want them to be exposed as the frauds that they are. So, no, count me in as a Giga Maggie right now. We, we don't need to play Ohio State this week. We don't need to prove anything else. We play in the toughest conference in America. Please don't play Ohio State. And please don't get into the playoff so we're exposed as the frauds that we are. Please, God. <laughs> we want to, I, we want to still make fun of Oklahoma. I, I think it's interesting, though, like USA Today and like, you know, those guys and the work that they do. But like, oh, if they put Indiana OU in the Cotton Bowl, I don't know if that includes AM in the playoff. I'm looking it up right now. But I just, they're not going to miss an OU ratings bowl this year. And say, like, if Alabama's Florida, like Florida, Miami, in a bowl game, that's going to happen. 
I mean, they're going to go for the best ratings they can possibly get. So, I think it's, I think it's interesting the fact that, you know, here's the, these new bold, bold the bold projections don't have OU and A and M playing each other. Well, it's because they have Oklahoma lose. I mean, the bold projections that I saw just had like all the teams as they are currently ranked. So Iowa State went to the Cotton Bowl since they're higher ranked than Oklahoma, playing. I I don't know Florida. Um, I don't know. And they had OU in the Fiesta Bowl playing USC. Even though I want OU to I win, saw that. even though I want OU to win against West Virginia, and even though I want OU to win against uh, Iowa State and win their six Big Twelve title, um, if chaos ensues and they lose, playing USC in a New Year's Six Bowl wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. It's much better than, oh, I don't know, an insight bowl against Iowa in a season where you were <laughs> formerly ranked number one. I mean that that would be terrible, but. It's funny that you say all this stuff about like they're not going to say no to all the dollar signs of, of an OU A and M matchup. When my memories of OU playing Texas A and M is just oh, how much are we going to beat this team by? Oh, we beat them by forty. Okay, well that was fun. At least they have a cool band, a good marching band. Their, their band is cool though. I will give them credit. I will always watch their marching band perform. You know, it's you say cool. you say that, and I probably thought that when I was younger, and I did the same thing I do every halftime show. Whenever A&M came to town, I looked at my phone. <laughs> no, I wasn't that bad. Well, I'm, I would a, actually, I, uh, I'm an uncultured swine, for those that have been in the pride before um, and are listening to this podcast. I'm an uncultured swine, so don't worry about my uh, opinion about that. It, what Do you want to get into this whole recruiting? I think – I think yes, we're in the clear to talk to talk about what's kind of going on today. Yeah, let's uh, let's end the show with this one because I've got to wake up and do the morning show with Todd Lizenby, and it's going to be a quick oh, turnaround. Oh, so. you're Big J, Big Big J. Is uh, broad? It's more broadcasting, so Big B. Okay, yeah, you're right. There broadcast. You go. I'm not broadcasting actually... from t- the Tyler Media Studios. Uh, the Lucky Star Studios, according to so... our. Our advertisers, no, yeah. Man, they they paid big money for that during a pandemic. But I, uh, I know. I mean, that's why we have state of the art equipment. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm still I'm still looking for a headphone jack that works. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll get as I said. I'll get one this week. After hey, should be a couple more days till payday. That's always a good time. But uh, Whoa. but no. It's uh, there was a forecast put in from Mr. Josh McQuiston of Soonerscoop.com for Emeka Ibuka to Oklahoma, and then there was a crystal, and then there was a crystal ball from Steve Wiltfong <gasps> for Kamar Wheaton. Kamar Wheaton. Oh my God! What about Tristan Lee? What about Tristan Lee? I think I think it's at this point Oklahoma. I mean, it's well understood he's going to Oklahoma. Oh gosh. You know, when is they, this is this like the it's so whenever Oklahoma fans at this point they beat Texas, they dunk on Texas, they beat Oklahoma State, they dunk on Oklahoma State, and now signing day when Oklahoma is about to get their fifth five star receiver in three years, fifth. It's it's becoming old sport at this point, Keegan. Just another day, another five star. That is that is nuts, and then they have another one coming in twenty twenty two. Is that not crazy? 
It's a beautiful thing. It is, <laughs> it is beautiful. It is Oklahoma going to have a top three class when this class? Yeah, that's is also what it's. Into- I think that's what it's looking like. Yeah, top three, top four. So the the other two like big shoes to drop are going to be Bird and Foster. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Bird is the one. It's between OU and SMU, or is yep. is it okay? And then Foster is between OU, OU and A and M. And um, I would assume that the battle between the Sooners and the Aggies is probably a little bit tougher, but from everything that I've heard and read, it seems like, well, it's basically OU's player to lose at this point. Yeah. Uh, so you're talking about, let's see, one, two, three of the top offensive linemen in the country. You've already got the best quarterback in the country in Caleb Williams, or one of the best quarterbacks in the country in Caleb Williams, depending on number one. Yeah. Number one per rivals, the number one running back the number one wide receiver, the number one offensive tackle. But GoDogs, number... GoDogs.com no, no. has, like, what's his name? Brock Hippogriff. What? Oh, Brock Vandegriff? Oh, it's Vandegriff. Hippogriff's on Harry Potter. That's my bad. Um, but the number one quarterback, the number one running back, the number one and number two wide receivers, the mm. number three offensive tackle, mm. the number one offensive guard, and the number one athlete in the country are all committed to Oklahoma. And Clayton Smith's the number two linebacker. And Clayton, I was going to say, and Clayton Smith's pretty fucking good too. So it's, it's yeah, yeah, yo, he may be. I th- he may end up being number two or number three on my ratings. Even when it's all said and done, nah, he won't be number two or number three. He'll be number. It'll go. This is kind of where I'd be at right now with before going and back and watching the senior tape. Would be probably number one. Emeka Buka, number two, Caleb Williams, three, Tristan Lee, four, Clayton Smith, five, Bryce Foster, six, Kamar Whedon. Mm. Something like something like that. Mm-mm-mm. When Bryce Foster is your fifth or sixth best player in your recruiting class. Here's here's my question, Keegan, and you're younger than I am, so maybe you can answer this question because I'm old at this point, but these recruits know they're not fooling anybody, right? When they when they take an unofficial visit to a campus and then they're like, the next day, not even 24 hours later, like, I'm a, I have announced my commitment date. It's like, dude, what are you waiting for? <laughs> You're not fooling you anyone. Up. You're not fooling anybody. See, that's the thing with like Bryce Foster. He visits Oklahoma and then drops his commitment date a couple of days later. I yeah. mean, that's a tale as old as time. Kid comes and visits the school off the record, quiet, and then announces a commitment date a couple of days later. What do you think he was doing on his visit? Probably reading the Bible to uh, blind children, um, giving what money he has to the needy, uh, probably even giving his jacket to a homeless person walking around campus that needed some warmth. That's that's what I assume OU's football players do in their spare time. I don't even know where to go for that, Brady. Don't get where me do you st- go from there? Don't get me started on them players in the SEC or Baylor under Art Bryles. Yeah, so it's is, Tech, uh, is, is Texas Tech going to hire Art Bryles? Keep is that know. real? Is that real? I haven't I, seen anything that I hope not. That's real. I he, here's the thing. Art Bryles does not deserve a second chance. Like that. No, that doesn't need to be said. But from what I'm about to say, it needs to be said. I kind of want him to get another shot at a big school so he can get his ass kicked and that he his name never, ever comes back up because while he's a deplorable human being, 
desperate fan bases don't care. They just want what they remember of his coaching the last time we saw him when he was a head coach at Baylor. Baylor was a top 10 program and had an exciting offense and a lot of great players across the board. But if he actually went to like a Texas Tech and got his ass kicked because the game has kind of passed him by and he's been out of the game for a while and Lincoln Riley is the big guy on campus in the Big 12 and there are a lot of other great young coaches that know the landscape a little bit better than he does and will be able to recruit better than him because he's not a depl- because they are not deplorable human beings themselves. It would be funny for him to get another chance, get his ass handed to him in two seasons, and then he goes away never to then be heard of because he's never going to be like that that of technically available like white horse to like swoop in and save the day for your shitty program. Get it all out. I did. Get it all out. I did. <laughs> feel good. I feel a little good. Uh, have you ever read uh, Violated? No. You need to. Other, if you really want to not like Art Bryles, go read that book. Oh. Or the Waco it. PD. Or Baylor. Yeah. <laughs> not, ne- not necessarily the students or the players that are there now, but the administration, you know, the old people that are going to be there for a long time and have had been there for a long time. They're pretty deplorable. It is interesting to see that how Baylor people would react to our Bryles getting a head coaching job because half of them would be pissed that it's not at the University of Baylor. You, you think Texas fans have reached that level of desperation? No, don't speak that into existence. Red Dirt Sports trying. It's not um, true. We, we love RDS, though. We love him. We do. He is the, he is the all-knower, the king of all kings. Oh, he's the oracle. He is. He is. He I mean, is. I mean, we think he's a person. He he could be some entity of like a like a legion, if you will, but for good. This this guy's living this guy's living in some cabin in the middle of nowhere and has knows more about the University of Oklahoma than people that live thirty minutes away or because he's got all the away. receipts. What what do you think I'm dumb, Keegan? Like what, as soon as I got in this business and I realized what I was gonna have to probably do even by covering the thunder once i started working for the franchise here's what i did i typed my name in on twitter at burrito sports and i typed in the word fuck shit all those words and deleted all of them from when i was 20 21 years old and drunk and tweeting at the same time i don't do that anymore i also typed in at burrito sports and stoops because i work for the flagship station of sooner football and i deleted some uh Tweets that I probably still believe. He could be back on the sidelines. You see that? No, today? no. You know what? I, I, I didn't see that or hear that, Keegan. And I'll, I'm going to give you five seconds to know why. Oh, I know why. There I know I'm going to get I'm going to get shit for it. It's okay. Hmm. Do you like my hair, by the way? Does it look good? I do. It does look good. Kind of waving in the wind kind of hair. Yeah, I know. It's real. If you had, if you had a, if if you had a hair dryer blower right now, you could do a TikTok. That's that should. You be, should that, become a TikToker. That should be my OnlyFans. Is where we just podcast and my hair blows in the wind. And I wear my beanie like this. Somebody will pay for it. Somebody will. Somebody pays for our craziness at three a.m. on Sunday mornings. I think that was the best podcast we'd ever done. That was a good one. I think we nailed everything. I think we confirmed it i was able to confirm what we 
kind of all we talked about after the game and it all is on the same page it's now ta- just ta- good i was gonna say we talked about a particular player a star player if you will that slid into your dms that only our patrons know the story of the second second player to do do the that second this year. player to do that you exactly. know that's what's funny is that you can't slide in my dms and then not play clean well, I mean, fo- again, football is a hard sport where you put a lot of uh, we put a lot of standards and responsibilities on these eighteen to twenty-two year olds to do everything perfectly, and when they don't, we get mad. I'm just kidding. Well, I only get mad when it's the same damn person for three years, the same stuff. You need to create your own audio thing for whenever you say Trey Brown's name. Well, why? Because Jalen Hurts does not technically apply to OU anymore when we're talking about the 2020 season. Now, when he can come up, you know, naturally, that's one thing. But you just you can't you can't quit him, cannot quit him. (laughs) I can I can quit him whenever I need to. It's whenever there's people that have this other understanding of Jalen Hurts, the football player. So what are you going to do when the Philadelphia Inquirer hires you to cover the Eagles as a beat writer and Jalen Hurts has just entered his second year as a full-time starter? And never accepts any interview I request for. See, you know, that's just why you don't burn bridges. Hey, I tell it how I see it and it's gotten me to a good place. It hasn't Creed Humphrey. It's not like it has stopped coaches from answering questions or players. So I hope not. Keegan. Although it was funny that I received the DM and then asked that same person a a question five minutes apart from each other. That's all. Subscribe to the Patreon. If you are interested who that player is Keegan, any final thoughts? This is a little bit of a shorter pod because we're recording later and I have to wake up super early. Um, Listen to, the franchise morning no, show I, with Todd Lizenby and my, by the way, I think, yeah, I think we've hit everything. I mean, it, it's a, it's an important week for Oklahoma. Um, they need to put a, a good clean game on uh, of tape on, especially offensively this week. Yeah. No blood. And <laughs> you and your sarcastic responses to all my tweets. I don't, I don't want players to get injured. Do you want players to get injured? You barbarian. (laughs) No. Goodness. You're like, I hope everyone tests positive. Hope everyone gets compound fractures. I just, I just wish ill will against everybody. Soon here, I'll be filing lawsuits against you. (laughs) What did I do now? I don't know. Well, I'll have some allegations. I'll just bring them up. Here's the funny part. I have no money. So there's, there's, there's nothing I can give you. Even if that you makes, want. that makes two of us. There you go. So. Yeah. It's uh, West Virginia week. We will be at Vanessa house on Thursday. Like we always are, except for the week of Thanksgiving. Cause that fell on Thursday. Like it always does. Congratulations, Brady, for not remembering um, but yes, we will be at Vanessa house on Thursday. Shout out to our good friends at Vanessa. Um, they're about to become, well, I don't want to, uh, I'll, I'll save it for Thursday. 
Um, but yes, everybody, thank you very much for listening to the Inside OU podcast. Again, apologies for the lateness of this podcast, but things happened. How about we got it out anyway to you all? Thank you to Keegan. And one more time to Kami Armorabian and Stephen Brown. Thank you all for listening. Did, yes. Did they just shit on me the whole time in Media Corner? We did not talk about you one time. Oh. No. Oh. Interesting. Sh- should we have? I'm surprised by that. Did you ever find out what NBC Philadelphia was doing? No, they didn't ask a question. Maybe because they raised their hand and they didn't get called. We, t- we told them. We we told them. No, there is no more Jalen Hurts questions belonged in this press conference. They're just trying to be the coffee bean, man. Oh, <laughs> uh, so you can make fun of them. But I like I, I like Jalen Hurts. You hate. I like Jalen Hurts. I you stop it. you hate him. I see the dartboard behind you <laughs> with his face on it. People are completely mistaken about my. You've got a Jalen Hurts voodoo doll right in your hand, Keegan. You need to let go. I let go of Bob. I I, I forgave him. Jalen can't hurt you anymore. You know it was pretty pretty funny, Brady. His first career touchdown. <laughs> I know. He rolled to his right. <laughs> he was rolling to his right. What was he supposed to do that play? <laughs> I don't know, but it is just, it had to happen that way. <laughs> because now everybody, everybody's like, oh my God, look at his arm, this and that, this and that, whatever. It's like, guys, we saw him roll to his right and make passes like that all year. All year. It's okay. The Jalen Hurts era is here. The NFL better watch out. Everybody, thank you for listening to Inside OU. We'll talk to you again on Thursday. Y'all be good.